just physics. There's fewer tables than there are not tables in the world. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative Town Podcast, brought to you by us over at AtoZHorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is no one, again. But luckily, sitting next to me is another guy who equates traumatic brain injuries and kids to toast falling down. It's Mark. Hey, Jack, I believe in you. Just hang tough, okay? Hang tough. Mark, why am I alone in the A to Z Horror official studio this week? Oh, because Jake's not there. That's true. Where is he? Uh, he went back, I don't know. Jake's in Canada. Nope, Portland. <laughs> one of those two things. Either one. Maybe there was both. a hipster convention, and I mean, he's like the corn, the keynote speaker, I think. <laughs> the corn note speaker. <laughs> I was going to say the cornerstone, but that's not what how you describe speakers. Yeah. In any case, uh, you and I are flying duo this week, buddy, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Woo! For those of you unfamiliar with our Crackjack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. This week... We watched 2010's Devil by M. Night Shyamalan, which yeah. was a jack pick. It was a jack pick. Yep. <laughs> and we will dive all the way into that real soon. And when we do, fair warning, we're going to spoil the nonsense out of it. And if you like what we do and want to support the podcast, you can head on over to patreon.com slash A to Z horror and support the show at your level of choosing. Get some cool perks for your trouble. But if you can't swing that now or frankly just don't want to, that's okay too. We're just happy to be hanging out with you. But for now, we better do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. Hey, Mark. Yes? What are your beers for these fears? I'm a little upset this week okay. because uh, Roosters, which is a local brewery up in Ogden, Utah, uh, they make an IPA called Hellevation with an H okay. beginning. And I feel like that's probably objectively the best one that I could do. Uh, unfortunately, from what I can tell, it's not in any of the liquor stores anymore, so I couldn't find it. And I'm not about to drive up to Ogden to get a beer. So, uh, instead, so you're just trying to claim credit for it by thinking of it and not having it? I searched for, like... At least eight minutes. <laughs> it's a substantial amount of time. The The beer section in the liquor store is not very large. I need you to understand that. It, it would basically be like you standing in front of the end cap in Albertsons being like, well, it's not here. <laughs> like, there's not much else I can do. Um, so instead, I went with Uplifted, which is a uh, Scotch-style ale from Talisman. Um this is kind of twofold. One, obviously, elevators. It's what they do. They uplift you. One of the like main points of this movie is that they can't just get out of the fucking elevator because they're on the 20th floor or whatever, wherever they are. I mean, this elevator in particular doesn't uplift them. It, it uplifts them substantially. One and time. Then it and then it yeah, I mean, you only them. have to do it once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then secondarily, the ending of this movie is actually quite uplifting when you think about it, aside from the fact that everyone was mercilessly killed. Uh, but the very like last thing that they go out on is, if the devil exists, then God exists, and good people are out there too, even the weird psycho hit-and-runners who killed people's families. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure this movie ends with forgiveness of a drunk driver who murdered a family and then got away with it for five years. I mean, forgiveness in the sense that a, you ostensibly he will be 
sentenced in a court of law for his actions. Forgiven ah. on a uh, on like a spiritual level from the one guy to the other guy, but not forgiven from a societal the, level. The real moral of this movie is the devil will kill innocent people indiscriminately, but if the one guy who's actually guilty repents at the last possible second, he's okay. I think they're all supposed to be sort of guilty of something. We'll get into it. Hey, Jack. <laughs> okay, yeah, buddy. <laughs> what are your what's your beer for your fear? Well, I have one beer for my fear, one and two non-beers for my fears, Whoa, but only okay. two of them are movie related. I'm as already confused. As, yes, it's very confusing. As far as beers go, I am drinking a Lights Out Stout by the Worthy Brewing Company. Okay. Notably, you didn't drink this when we watched Lights Out. I did. Oh, okay, cool. I won that one. Okay. Well, well we, we, we uh, patrons didn't vote, but I did, and I decided I won. Okay. I've been keeping a tally. Oh, right, Interestingly, okay. before other people started voting, I've won every one. Oh, that's crazy. I have a it's... different tally. <laughs> is Ernie in charge of it? Oh, my God, I forgot about Ernie. <laughs> in any case, look, this is a movie where the lights in this elevator go out a lot, and most of the plot develops while the lights are out. So the lights going out is a critical plot device in this movie. I mean, um, almost none of the plot develops when the lights are out. The the, the plot develops when once the lights happens. come back on after being out. But that happened when the lights were out. Just because you find out about it when the lights get turned back on doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm, no, that is how that works. Something about the trees in the forest, Mark. There's, there's. I'm in a cave and I can only see the shadows of <laughs> puppets. I think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm also drinking an Angry Orchard hard cider because this movie is all about the devil, fittingly. And where did the devil come from? A pretty angry orchard. I is think that a, is that a Garden understand. of Eden joke? Uh, yeah, I think the Garden of Eden. Was, I mean, look, what's a garden? A garden with an apple tree in it is an orchard, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And I have a question. Yes, sir. Did you just want to drink a cider and needed to like shoehorn, or is this like legitimately you wouldn't be drinking this otherwise? I would not, I, I would be, I might be drinking it as a side beer, but I did legitimately pick it as an actual beer because it was the closest thing to the devil I could find besides logos. Jack? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> legitimately, you could stand to lose to Jake, who is not participating in this competition. That cannot possibly be true, especially not the way I ward the poll. And Mark, what are you talking about there, lose in the competition? Who actually gets to vote? Oh, all the patrons. All of them. Yeah, every level of patronage allows you to vote on the loser of Beers for Fears and the loser has to watch a movie as penance. You also get to vote on. This week, it will very likely be Jake. Uh, I actually, after that performance... Uh... Lights out. I mean, look, if nothing else, I just added a one on to a pretty good one. Yeah, I think it actually detracts from I don't your... think it can't possibly detract. As an example of something that would actually be like a good addendum, I'm drinking a Stone IPA in reserve, which has a devil on the label. Well, that's... that's a, when I said except for logos, that was literally exactly what I was talking about. Couldn't find a devil. But, Mark, there's a third thing I'm drinking here. Okay, what's that? Uh, I have my, in front of myself a bottle of John Jameson, triple distilled Irish whiskey. I'm going to be pouring myself a shot of that right now. Oh, that's and interesting. A- I happen to have a shot of Maker's Mark directly in front of me. Well, hell yeah. Now, there's a few reasons for uh, me and myself pouring this uh, this particular shot and drinking it. The first one being, uh, it's Friday, and it's been a long week. The second one being, I almost got hit by a car today. I did crash a bird scooter. It hurt very much. Exactly. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bloody are your forearms? Uh seven i mean they're very bloody they're a little better now they're all they're all 
knitted. How but, scabby uh, then? Whatever. My, yeah, they're all scabby. My finger hurts very much, though. It's still throbbing. And PSA, this is just a freebie out there for you. Be very careful with titanium wedding rings because mine bent on my finger from the crash and I almost had to get it cut off. Yeah, I mean, if it bent one way, just bend it back. I don't know what the issue is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, Would have worked. Yeah. Um, and then the third reason I'm drinking John Jameson triple distilled Irish whiskey is because, uh, Mark, you know what the thing about John Jameson is? I'll no. tell you, Mark. That's right. It's that it starts with the initials JJ. And you know who else has two of their initials JJ? You and Jake? Well, just Jake. Well, oh yeah, but I mean, like you and Jake together, Jack. And oh Jake, yeah, but Jake we're Jake. not together. I'm just doing this in uh, in memory of our fallen comrade who's just gone for the weekend. Oh, going. so you're not specifically referencing J.J. Abrams for some reason? <laughs> nope, I'm referencing Jacob James. What Can about, I say his middle name on the podcast? Would you like that? John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. <laughs> I guess that'd be yes. Triple J. Fuck it, Mark. Let's take these shots. Jesus, okay, cool. Cheers, bud. To your bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woo! I like it. Good start. I don't know if it's ever taken us 10 minutes to get through Beers for Fears before, but here we find ourselves. I'm positive it has. Drinking beers and watching horror movies isn't the only thing we've done over the course of the last week. We might have also experienced some other stuff in the horror world. So, Mark. Yes? What else has been rocking your horror world? Well, let's start, uh, since we did just sort of one quarter of that toast was to our comrade who is off being a hipster in Portland. Um, he specifically submitted something for us to discuss without actually providing his opinion on. Yeah, church lady style. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so he just cited this news article. We don't frequently talk about news, but this is an interesting one. That uh, There's this petition out there to bump Halloween from October 31st to just be the last Saturday of the month. In October, presumably, I assume. They're not going to move it to July. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, I don't know what he wanted us to talk about. This. I I mean, I think this is a great idea. Halloween's a great party night, and if it's always on a Saturday, then I have no issues with this. Just celebrate it on whatever Saturday it's closest to. It's very simple. It's what we do anyway. That's, yeah, exactly. That's what the petition is saying. So just no. make it official. Make Get everyone on the same page, and instead of it being October 31st, just have it on whatever the last Saturday of the month of October is. Then aren't you get? I mean, didn't Easter have to be rolled back when it is because it was getting too close to the summer because of the the progression of the Gregorian calendar? Mm, yes, and uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> nope, Valentine's Day is just on the fourteenth. I don't know. I was just trying to yes and you, and that was the only thing I could come up with. What I mean is the way the calendar works. It's not like eventually. It might not even be close to October. If well, right, but I, I mean, no, 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 no. This is just the last Saturday in October. Like Labor Day is the first Monday oh, of September okay. or whatever. I don't give a shit. Just celebrate it when you want to celebrate it. Who cares? Well, because it's kind of a holiday that requires everyone to be on the same page. If you but just start knocking on doors in the middle of November and being like, I want candy, it's not going <laughs> to work very well. I guess that's, a, but it's also not a holiday, right? It's not a federal holiday. Nobody gets the day off or anything. No, but everyone ends up partying, which is why it should be on a weekend. Jesus. I also, care. I love that we're just talking purely about when we are able to drink in celebration of this holiday and nothing pertaining to children's safety, which is the actual reason for this petition. Kid, why uh, are weekends safer for kids? Uh, I think it allows people to organize a little bit better. If you got to work in the morning, then you then you're less likely to go out with your kids or something like that. I don't know. They're, that's the underlying assumption of the petition that's out there. I sure. know from this one, whatever, 65-word tweet. <laughs> I've done a lot of research here. And Thanks, this thing Jake. That was, that was sent helpful. to me in a message like less than a <laughs> half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, all right. 
Uh, so I guess that's what's been rocking Jake's horror world. Mark, what about your horror world? Halloween aside. I have actually quite a few things. Uh, normally it takes us a couple weeks to build this type of thing up, but I have like six things that I want to talk about. How many should I Holy talk about? Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have four things to talk about, but one of them I can't, and one of them I don't have much to say about. So hit me up with six. Hit me up with all of them. Oh my God. Uh, I'm not going to do that. That's too long. Okay, cool. Good thing you asked. <laughs> well, I thought you would provide a much more reasonable response than you did. I don't know <laughs> never, why I thought never. that. Never yeah. bet on that. First thing I watched was Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. This is a documentary on Shudder uh, that came out this year. I, I don't think we... Maybe we did cover it on HR. I can't remember at this point. But it's basically a look back at uh, famous people of color and directors of color throughout um, film history, notably within the uh, horror subgenre. So they talk about things like all the exploitation films early on and like even they talk about birth of a nation, which is kind of an interesting take on horror. Obviously that is like objectively scary from a societal sense. Well, like, um, it, but also, I mean that, that movie does famously use the limited horror filmmaking techniques that were in place at the time. Whenever there's a black person on screen who they villainize and demonize because they're Nazi white supremacists. But. Right. And it, it famously also involves a white man in blackface playing the like, evil character playing the rapist that it portrays all black people to be God, uh, heavily unfortunate oh. yeah obviously and and it was screened at the white house so yeah that's lovely that's kind of where they start and then you build the the blocks of kind of how uh black people in the genre evolved from there and then eventually you get to like blackula and a little bit of a revolution of like all of a sudden they, they kind of do half the movie about like here are the tropes that are sort of negatively associated. You know, the black guy dies first or whatever. Right, right, right. That type of stuff. And then they also, at the same time, talk about a few of these other films that are a little bit more liberating and forward-looking. And then, obviously, they end up with, um, like, Get Out and that type of stuff towards the end. If you're interested in it, uh, I think it's an interesting... It's yeah, an interesting it watch. If you're, I mean, if you're not really in the mood to continue the horror binge like we constantly do, uh, but you want to stay adjacent and learn a little bit, uh, this is, I mean, this was a good one to tee up. Like I said, it's on Shutter, so if you have that already, they have a pretty good lineup of uh, documentaries that are out there. That's cool. Uh, you got Keith David, Ken Foray, Jordan Peele's in it, uh, William Crane, who's the director of Blackula, Richard Lawson, all, a bunch of these kind of like newer screenwriter faces and stuff like that are also out there. Um, and they're all providing like sort of the one-on-one -on -one, like interview type thing with it. So you get these interesting like one-on-one -on -one perspectives. Keith David and Ken Foray sit next to each other and like in a theater and do the interview together, which I thought was kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, I probably should have brought this up last week when we did actually watch a Ken Foray movie. <laughs> <laughs> what are you uh, going to do? We let that whole episode go by without mentioning that he is the dad from Keenan and Kel, which I feel like is a is a miss on our part. Yeah, it damn sure is. There was, I mean, Mark, I was very distressed by how cool it was in the studio last week. It was really throwing me off my game. I'm okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, we I've I've corrected that wrong, that historical injustice. And to and be clear, Keenan's dad. I think I think Ken's dad only appeared in one episode as like okay. A first off, type. not Ken, Kel. Kel. Yeah, Jesus. Ugh. He, I said he was the dad on Keenan and Kel. I don't think, I don't think Kel's dad ever shows up. I think he's in there for an episode as like a drifter guy. Oh, okay. I'm gonna watch a bunch of Keenan and Kel tonight. I'll let you know. Yeah, I demand <laughs> to know who what actor played him. I hope it's like freaking Will Smith or something. Uh, yes, it's Will Smith. I don't know. That'd be a, that'd be an interesting flex for him. Yeah, Will Smith at the height of his fame and popularity he decides to do a bit part on Keenan and Kel on one episode <laughs> of Keenan and Kel. <laughs> uh, next up. 
180 from what I just talked about. <laughs> I watched Frankenstein's Monsters Monster Frankenstein. This is one of mine, too. I watched this also. Okay. Uh, this is on Netflix. This is the David Harbour thing that I think... I mean, they specifically released this on the heels of Stranger Things 3 just to cash in on facial... Rec- like, the just... Oh, I saw that guy in the thing I just watched. And they didn't um, advertise it outside of making it autoplay when you start Netflix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what a thing this was. <laughs> it is a hot mess, and I loved it. So the first... The intro is really funny. And then they get into this humor that's just like making fun of overwrought theatrical performances, which is probably funny for some people, but did not hit me the way I think it was supposed to. Yeah, so that part didn't get me, but other parts did. Like at one point, there's just an ad for Beef Wellington, (laughs) (laughs) which I fucking loved. Well, and were they trying to do uh, kind of a take on the uh, was that who who was the guy who did the champagne commercial? The Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were they trying to do that? I feel like there was a moment where I wasn't positive whether or not they were trying to go for it one way or the other. I think it was the Beef Wellington commercial. It was a little evocative of it. Oh, the French champagne. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. Also, Al Molina is randomly in this. Like, I don't understand how Al Molina. Look at Mark Hollywood over here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand how he just shows up and is like, oh, you're making a 23 minute long meta feature about overwrought theatrical acting starring David Harbour as his own father. (laughs) David Harbour's father's name is David Harbour Jr. in the movie, which is one of like I actually got a really good belly laugh out of that one. But there's such there's so many good. It's insane. The thing is insane. It's a mess. It's fun. Uh, I don't know if I agree with the fun part. If if you're curious, watch like the first minute and then stop. That's my recommendation. It's I mean it's a bit of a slog to get through and it's only 20 something minutes long it's not a slog i i had a hard time with it okay (laughs) okay wow uh next up was the ranger which is something that you guys recommended to me based off of your seeing it at the idaho horror film festival 2018 yeah this was like the feature film length debut and they gave the award uh, to the this movie which makes a lot of sense i mean it's it's a well put together thing it uh, you guys did mention that larry fessenden was in it which is technically correct (laughs) the best kind of correct (laughs) you are technically correct the best kind of correct larry fessenden's in this movie for 20 seconds yeah not much okay yeah yeah, yeah. there's a fest sighting in it that's true that is that is true to his brand he just shows up is there for like three scenes and then disappears um i thought it was pretty good it's very overacted. The the core group of punk rockers is pretty damn difficult to watch, except for the main girl who's really, really good. Yeah, um, I agree. With and that. then her playing off of the villain, who plays it pretty cheesy for most of the movie, is is watchable, but can be kind of overwrought at times. Um, overall, I think it was an interesting experience, and it's it's you know it's not particularly long. If you want to see this, it's on Shutter. Notably, it's under their smart slasher category, um, which I'm a little confused by. But I mean, it's it's a little bit self-referential and plays with some of the tropes of the slasher genre. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I found this movie to be like resoundingly all right. Yeah, so I mean, that's I, I think it's, that's I think my it's better than all right. as far as I'd I'm willing it, to go. I put it actively on the good side. It's certainly not great, but it is good and fun. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I mean, the the performance of the of the um, the main protagonist is actually like it does tie it together pretty well. And she, um, I mean, she's on there basically throughout the whole thing. So I'd be curious if this was like, how was this to see in an actual movie theater? Right? Like on the big screen. I mean, I think you remember us talking about this in very high regard. I remember this being a blast to see big screen. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Like, it, it has, it's simultaneously like you have the giganticness of the wilderness, but also like the performances are very face to face and like intimate. So, and, and also you have like the punk rock score in the background too for like the initial scene. So it'd, it'd be interesting to see. I, I think mostly from like a sound perspective, I'd be curious to see how it played, but. Yeah, uh, if you're going to watch this, watch it for Chloe Levine's performance and maybe a little bit for Jeremy Holmes' performance as the villain. They have I like kind it. of a weird chemistry on screen, even though he plays it very strangely. Um, and I don't I don't think that's a spoiler I'm going to need to beep out. It's it's clear what's happening very early on in the movie. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's not a spoiler. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's not a spoiler. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it is. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, Jack. Yes, sir. We had to watch a movie called Lake Placid. Yes, we did. Did you? No, but I did catch up. <laughs> I rewatched Wolf Creek in okay, a state okay, of good. more sobriety. I said I would. I owed it to the listeners, and I did it. Okay, let me ask you this then. Do you want me to pause on Lake Placid? I'll wait for you. Please do. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. In that case, I only have one more thing to talk about, which is okay. the Amazon Prime movie called... Into the Forest. I should say it's not. This isn't produced by Amazon Studios or anything like that. It is a just a movie that is on Amazon Prime for free. Um, I watched this because of two reasons. One, it is like sixty-four minutes long, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. And for two, it has an identical poster or cover art or whatever you want to call it to the original like Blair Witch. 2015, 16, whatever, whenever that movie came out, artwork of red, like deep red background with the silhouetted trees. You could not have said that more confusingly. Why did you say the original Blair Witch from 2015? Why Why did you say it like that? I don't think I did. Uh, okay, it's definitely not going to be slowed down and played right here. The original, like, Blair Witch. And I think the I think history will vindicate me in that regard, Jack. <laughs> but herstory will decide you suck. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this so I, it's like very, very clearly trying to ride the coattails of uh, Blair Witch, and it was free and short, so I kind of just wanted to see like how hard it did that. And uh, let me tell you, it did it pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's uh, this is just a like for like Blair Witch imposter. Uh, if you hadn't seen Blair Witch, you might think this is like remotely creative, but like, I mean, it is literally just the Blair Witch, but also they decide to cast an actual actress to play the Blair Witch. Interesting. Except it's like the, the Raven Woods witch or some bullshit. I don't know. I didn't write it down. Um, this is a bad movie. Don't watch it. (laughs) My own curiosity about how much they were actually trying to just ride the coattails just led me down this path of watching a bad movie for a little over an hour. The that only redeeming sometimes. quality of this movie is that it's short. Okay. Well, that's a, that's. I mean, that's a pretty redeeming quality in my book. No, I mean, I agree. I don't fully regret having done it, but also <laughs> I recommend that no one else does it. Yeah. And that's uh, that's where we're at. Fair enough. Hey, Jack. Yes, sir. You want to talk to us about Wolf Creek? <laughs> yeah. So, look, I don't have a lot to say about Wolf Creek. You guys 
kind of nailed it. It's uh, it's a pretty weak vehicle for a torture porn movie. I will say I was pretty bowled over by the um, visceralness. I'm sure there's a word for that, but I don't know it of the of the the violence in this movie. Like the I can see why people were distressed by this movie. The violence feels very real in a way that like even realistic gore doesn't always affect you. The violence in this movie feels real. And that was kind of disturbing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think my take on this one was that it was like it's hard to watch purely because it's pretty realistic and just like it's not a fun violent it's just a straight up violent i don't think it's a poorly made movie at all i just no, think it's like not. there's it's a not very... a lot of entertainment sewed into this thing it's just it is like legitimately just it's not even torture porn it's just torture you're just watching torture yeah because it's not like over i mean it is certainly gratuitous and over the top but in it, what i'm trying to describe is not in a way that it's like going so far that direction like for instance hostile or certainly the later incarnations of hostile it's been a while since i've watched the original hostile uh but yeah i mean which is so like a 70 minute movie about a european vacation followed by a 15 minute movie about oh no <laughs> <laughs> but it's i mean it's a really well made movie it's just it's hard to get through cuz it's brutal from I mean, 25 minutes in to finish. Yep. But I'm glad I watched it. Mm. Okay. that's a l- You're different from me in that regard. Like, I, I think it's... Uh, I'm, I'm glad to to have had that experience. I um, Yeah, I would... I mean, it's one of those, like, watch it once and then, like, try and never watch it again for your life. <laughs> yeah, I, I never plan on watching this again. I mean, I didn't either in 2011 when I saw it the first time. <laughs> uh, then I also saw Frankenstein's Monsters, Monster Frankenstein, yep, and uh, we, we talked about that one. Uh, I also have finished the book A Head Full of Ghosts. I'm really amped up to talk about that, have a lot of thoughts about that, but I'm kind of thinking that uh, Jaco recommended that to me, so I, I kind of think we should wait for him to come back for me to fully dive into it. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's keep that going. But, but I will joke. say, I mean, that book is fantastically written i was not expecting i mean i didn't even know it was a possession book like from the get-go and i wasn't expecting it to go the directions it did so it's it's a great book you're getting dangerously close to talking about it is the thing here i know so i gotta move past it the thing i want to talk most about is the last thing that's been rocking my horror world and it's really been rocking my horror world and my other world subnautica i bought the (laughs) game subnautica and i've been playing it on my computer this is one of the eight games that your computer can run it can run it pretty well, I'll tell you what. It's, <laughs> does, it seems, I mean, it's, it pretty, runs pretty good. I don't so know. tell us about it. What is the game? So holy do? shit, this is, this is a survival horror game where you crash land on an alien aquatic planet and you have like a floating survival pod and you start with almost nothing. You have to swim around and gather resources and build bigger and bigger things and better survive on this alien planet. Mark, you told me this game wasn't really narrative and you kind of just do what you want. I mean, I told you that from I don't really know a whole lot about this game aside from like random Reddit posts that I've seen or they're just like screenshots. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this game is much more narrative than I was expecting. Oh, OK. Um, I fucking love this game. Interesting. Uh, is this multiplayer? Should I buy this and play together with you? It is not multiplayer, okay. and it, unlike like a Minecraft or like a Seven Days to Die or these other survival horror games, the world is not procedurally generated. As far as I understand it, it's the same oh. map every time okay. you play, um, and which on the one hand is is a little bit disappointing because you can't like the the repeatability is is less good. But on the other hand, they 
can and did craft a world where they know where the resources are and how to get you to them in normal time. So unlike some of these games where you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do, like there are radio broadcasts you intercept that nudge you in the right direction at certain points. And it's, I, I don't, I want to be clear, it is very open world and very much like a, a survival horror game. But there's, there is narrative in it? There's like... There is absolutely a narrative, okay. way more than I was expecting, and I really liked it. Um, okay. Maybe that's because this is also the first game I've played in a long time where I didn't even want to do anything else while I was playing it. Like most of the time I'll have a podcast in or be watching something or something like that. No, this one I want like darkroom headphones on, full game experience. And I've been staying up way too late to play it and I fucking love it. Holy shit. How, uh, pardon the pun, but how deep into it are you? Uh, so I'm, I'm probably like... Uh, 15, 16 hours in, something Jesus like that. Jesus Christ. You bought this three days ago? Four days ago? I don't think that's right. I, I had it last Sunday, I think. In any case, I haven't been sleeping very much. Okay. We're recording this on a Friday, just for the record. But yeah. yeah. So I mean, over I've, the course of one week, well, full of weekdays, yeah, I've played about, you I've played about every day. You three have 15 hours, to 16 hours in? Yeah, where I've worked 10 to 12 hours a day. Okay, cool. <laughs> that, <laughs> that sounds like an addicting game. It, it, I mean, this also speaks to, to me in a way that, like, because it, it's got the thing. I love Stardew Valley and Harvest Moon and those kind of games. It's got those elements of, like, constructing stuff and building stuff and farming stuff and building a base you like. And you can upgrade it visually if you want. You don't need to. But then it's also got these horror elements. And holy shit, it's so scary, Mark. Cause you're, I'm going to have to buy this game. And I got it. Okay, cool. You're floating down in the ocean and you're you, the, the, the world, the alien, I mean, it's full of alien fish and monsters and it feels really well recognized. All the fish feel really cool and different. Is it, and, is it like a shot for shot remake of the movie The Abyss? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. You know, it yeah. Might be. Yeah. Uh, I, so I don't, I certainly don't want to spoil anything about the narrative of the game, and I don't want to spoil even too much about any of the scares, but to give you kind of an idea of something that happened to me last night that, like, shook me to my core when I was playing at 2.30 a.m., I want to tell you about one of the predatory fish I discovered, and it's called the Mesmer, and it's just this little glowing fish, and when you first see it, it, like, opens its gills up and you like get kind of hypnotized by it and start to float towards it but then you start to like it you get these auditory hallucinations too like you have this little robot assistant that talks to you and it starts saying in its robot voice like swim towards that fish that's everything you need to do your prime directive is now to swim towards that fish and it's just like you're down in the deep water too far from my home base anyway and then my fucking robot is telling me to swim towards this thing it's just like shook me it's like oh my god so did you? I mean, you can't not for a little while, right? It drags you towards it. Okay. Um, I didn't die to it. I mean, that's the best we can hope for, really. Yeah, exactly. Is and it like a? Is it a pretty quick turnaround? I'm assuming you've died many times since it's a survival game. So is it like you just pop back in and you're like, okay, I won't do that again? You you pop back to your home base having lost half of your collected items or something at least on the mode oh, I'm gotcha. playing okay. which I think is normal mode like you 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 are you get hungry and thirsty uh, but I think there, I think there is a mode where if you die it's over I'm not playing on that mode yeah that's a smart mode or that's a smart move <laughs> don't play on that mode those modes suck Iron yeah Man holy mode. shit yeah no but, sir. I am fucking loving this game um, I think I'm pretty close to the end of it I don't know but uh, I'm more into the plot than i expected interesting i didn't really expect a plot and i this this is this is the best game i've played in a while what's the name it's, of the game 
Subnautica. It's also there the it only is. game I've played in a while besides Stardew Valley. So, Hey, Jack. Yeah, buddy. We are over 30 minutes into our recording. Should we <laughs> maybe get to the feature presentation? We probably should. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 2010's Devil, which is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, is this the one that's like on the, the, the rebound of his career? Uh, well, it, he has, look, he has a tumultuous career. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to get into that. Uh, notably, he also didn't direct it. I think he's just a producer or writer of it. Oh, he certainly wrote the, I think he did direct it. I, he wrote nope. the story upon which it's based. Then that was adapted by a different screenwriter whose name I don't know. And then what happened? You clearly have it in front of you, Mark. What happened after that? It is directed by John Eric Dowdle. Who was the okay. writer as, of As Above, So Below, and Quarantine, um, and I don't know, some other random shit. Quarantine 2, if you're into that type of thing. But, um, I mean, this is not... M. Night Shyamalan typically was also the director of his movies, and he did not direct this one. I, I mean, it's still an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It was heavily billed as M. Night Shyamalan. But to your point, I think this was sort of like on the downward bounce of his career, you know? So I do See, think it's better than most of the other things that surround it, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure if they were trying to like actively separate him from this one. I think I think they were trying to bill it as an M. Night Shyamalan's back. This was a bounce up from his valley, from his... Well, it certainly was a bounce up from his valley. I'll give you that much, but um, <laughs> I mean, this is after The Happening, after Lady in the Water, after yep. The Village. Yep. Uh, that's sort nice. of where it starts going down. Is it before the last Airbender? Uh, that's a great question. I actually, I think, I think the last Airbender has been expunged entirely. Oh, <laughs> oh, the last Airbender was in 2010, which is actually also when this came out. So they were happening at the same time. Ooh, the last so, Airbender, indeed. Probably not actively a like knock against this movie, but certainly one of the worst films ever made. Yes, I agree with that. We should just review that one, maybe one of these days. It's it's horrifying. It's truly horrifying. In any case, <laughs> um, should it be should it be the loser of beers for fears one of these weeks? Oh, it almost certainly has to be. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, patrons weigh in if that's okay with you. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna collectively speak for the patrons. They're cool with it. <laughs> Larry specifically is rooting for this. Well, I mean, if it's me, he might have to watch it with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, pick- so this is this is after. I mean, I feel like. I feel like the village was the first one that started to teeter, right? Oh, and then yeah. Lady in the Water and the Happening came out, and they were fucking panned. And then, which is weird because I actually kind of like Lady in the Water, but then this well, but one then we was should revisit that one because I have that. awful memories of that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's not really a horror movie, so. But in any case, what I'm getting to is I picked this movie, and I picked it because I kind of remember liking this movie, having seen it in the theaters when it came out in 2010. And thinking, like, uh, this is an underrated movie, and Shyamalan doesn't get enough credit for it. Now, I also thought it was a Shyamalan movie, so... (laughs) It was, I mean, it was basically, it was the Shyamalan movie, it just wasn't directed by him. But, also, I'm curious what your thought process was. Were you still on Team Shyamalan at that point, or were you like... God, no. No, fuck So then, why did you see this, and you were like, yes, now... I'm going to give him a third shot, fourth shot, no, no, whatever shot. So, so what I mean is I saw this, and I kind of liked it. And at the time, I was thinking, okay, maybe he's still got something going on. And then The Last Airbender came out, I think, or, okay. or around so the you same watched time. This, what I'm driving at, though, is you watched this in spite of the M. Night Shyamalan name, not because of the M. Night Yes, Shyamalan absolutely. Name. And okay. I remember thinking, he's still got good in him. And then, and then thinking- <laughs> Hey, hey, the- Jack. 
If yeah. the devil is real, then God is real. Okay, <laughs> exactly, so. exactly. It's uh, the snakes and ladders, there, buddy. But I, I also remember thinking in the ensuing years that this movie is underrated. Is um, snakes and ladders a like subdued Christian game? Is that what is that? You? I've never heard that before. Snakes and ladders is, I think, the original version of the game. That is a British game that was changed to Shoots and Ladders for the American version. Or oh, I'm fully Midwest. aware. The, the the question I'm actually asking is whether or not there were supposed to be overt Christian themes built into that bullshit board game. Oh, I have no fucking idea. As oh, you, okay. as you can tell, I have a firm grasp on religion and what the 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 Garden of Eden was. An He's orchard. holding an angry orchard. What the Orchard of Eden was. Yeah, I've heard that. The Orchard of Eden. It rolls I, off the tongue. Did you think they had the word for orchard in Bible times? I don't think they did. I think orchard is a pretty fucking old word, dude. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> I think that's older than garden. I think some etymological research is warranted here. Okay, uh, let's just quickly pause our podcast. I'm gonna go get my degree in etymology, and then we'll we'll get back to you. Sounds good. God, is any of our listeners an etymologist? We could really use an etymologist. I think like all of them are. We have a very intellectual user base. I agree with that user yeah. base. Uh, I didn't a listener base. So, Mark, have you fair? <laughs> I've seen this before. I saw it in theaters. Yes, you Ag- agree with that. <laughs> I have also seen this. I did not see it in theaters. I got the DVD in the mail a long time ago. But this might have been a red box. I don't know, but I definitely saw it. But I saw it at home. You and Jake were both. It seemed like unhappy with me for picking this. Where I was pretty happy with myself for having picked it. Um. This is one of those movies I probably like didn't need to see again. And the thing about this one is I feel like it's really it's as good as it's going to be on the first viewing just because of how twisty turny the plot is. This is like the quintessential M. Night movie where there are twists amok. It's like every 20 minutes there's a new twist. I think that in, at at different times they investigate each person in the elevator independently, and then and like, each that person, person is dies the devil. or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Um, and I'll I'll tell you something. Maybe dangering a little bit here on rating spoilers, but uh, I hadn't seen this movie as sober as I did on this viewing, <laughs> and I have different <laughs> thoughts about this movie now. Okay, we'll get to that at the end <laughs> yes. of the podcast. But yes, what I was going to say was that like this is, I mean. I was fine to watch it again. I, I actually do think, and this is also rating spoilers, I think this is actually a pretty well put together movie, but um, the like, if you already know what the twists are, then like the fundamental point of the whodunit mystery thing that's built into the core of this is less enticing. Uh, it has been, I mean, almost a decade since I saw it the first time, so I, you know, whatever. A distance makes the heart grow fonder. I was fine with that, but this is definitely not one that I would put in like a yearly rotation by any stretch. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, uh, I picked this, which I think means I have to do the plot synopsis. Uh, I think that's I think that's right. I liked usually, it last I, week when frankly, a listener did it. We're in uncharted territory here because usually tr- you try and like just get past it without having to do anything, and I then forget that it actually happens. So that's what I was assuming was going to happen again. But well, but see now look, we're man, in double charted. If you want to do it, then thirty seconds are on the clock. We're in double charted territory because I made the same joke two weeks ago, and you did the same thing about being in uncharted territory. I don't think that's true did i really yes oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i thought i was being unique and original but oh no i've rehashed a bit Um, god forbid we're we're just gonna let no it's an inside joke now i think um we're gonna blow right by it and 30 seconds around the goddamn clock 
five years ago, a detective had his wife and kids killed in a drunk driving car accident hit and run. Now he's investigating a suicide person who jumped off a building in garbage Philadelphia. And uh, when he goes to that building, some other people independently get stuck in an elevator. The, the elevator people can't fix it, nor can security, and they keep trying to. The lights keep flickering out, and bad things keep happening when the lights flicker out, leaving them to die one by one until the only two people left are an innocent woman and a guy who ended up being the drunk driver that killed the Tom's family. And he repents and is saved by the devil. Okay, so a few things. <laughs> okay. Uh, first off, he didn't, I mean, he did, his, his family was killed. He did not have them killed. He's not some type of like he's not coordinating their assassinations. Just wanted to clarify that. Did I say have them killed? He you yep. Which I mean okay. he had his family killed has multiple meanings. I'm just I'm just putting out a clarification there that he did not orchestrate the killing of his family via. Okay, family. gotcha. Yeah, he had him killed by the devil. Oh, uh, that's not really true at all. Uh it happened and to then, him. He had it happen to him. I guess we're also just calling garbage Philadelphia downtown Philadelphia. That's the, those two things are synonymous. Also, the rest of Philadelphia. <laughs> oh wow, hot takes! <laughs> Fuck Philly, man. Place it's always fire. sunny there. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Philadelphia <laughs> is a fine town. It's where the mint is. I think isn't that where the U.S. mint is? I, I've been to Philadelphia once. Look, I'm too too uncertain to jump on you for it, but I certainly don't think it's true. Um. You know what? I'm 100% confident. I'll bet you. I will bet you. Yeah, I'll okay, bet you. Okay, cool. Movie. The U.S. Mint is in Philadelphia. That's the bet. <laughs> Sounds like a really stupid bet, but sure. <laughs> in my club, I will splash the pot whenever the fuck I please. Oh, oh, that's it. Gambling. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing, Jackaroonie. Um... If you just Google U.S. Mint, it comes over to Washington, D.C. However, okay. the Philadelphia Mint is one of the, like, I mean, we print money and coinage and whatever all over the fucking, there's like, there's one in Denver, I think, and like on the West Coast and shit. Um, yes, but, everywhere where it's like the D, Indiana. The, yeah, there's like five or six of them. But the yeah. Philadelphia Mint was like the original one. Uh, I'm reading on Wikipedia that the Coinage Act of 1792 was entered into law on April, uh, April 2nd, which was centered around the... Philadelphia Mint. So it was like the original one, and now I guess the main one is in Washington, D.C. My point is, there is one of our mints in Philadelphia. I'll let you just be the judge of whether or not you lose that bet. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to put a Patreon poll up, and the patrons are going to vote on it. Okay. That seems... I don't like that. The patrons don't <laughs> like me. <laughs> I mean, I I, I am, see two of the patrons on a daily if not weekly basis weekly if not daily basis and both of them like you a lot more than me so so what you're saying is there's some like rampant voter manipulation happening uh yeah i'm, I'm a hacker i'm a 1992 style Angel- angelina jolie hacker okay you're it's the net is that what you're you're not going after the net because that's not angelina jolie but i'm just gonna nor is it from 1992 that's a 1999 movie starring julia roberts was it nope Sand- nope sandy, Sand- bullock. sandy bullock yeah there you go Hey, we should probably... Okay, that'll be on Patreon. You get a vote on an extra thing this week. <laughs> but also, we should probably start talking about what the fuck subcategories of something or other that this movie belongs to. Religious! Um, sh- Sure. Ostensibly. 
in the sense that there is like devil and the guy is talking about Christianity throughout most of the things, but like, and two different we, times we've always quote, used the the religious tag in my mind. Always, at least, it, there needs to be a priest or something. There needs to be a scene in a church or whatever. I I mean, yes, this has overt Christian themes in it, but I don't know if I'd call it a religious movie. Two different times there are two different times in an eighty minute movie, there are ten second title cards that just are showing me Bible verses. I look I. I'll begrudgingly give it to you. I don't like it, but sure. <laughs> okay. Give me another one then. Uh, is this a slasher? I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it's one by one. It's kind of a religious slasher. It's it's ostensibly killing people for sinning, except for maybe not also. There's, I mean, sort of a mask in the sense that that's probably not what the devil looks like normally. <laughs> well, I mean, it says I'm an old lady right now. Yeah. So... Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not always an old lady. Maybe Satan is just an old lady. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I think that might be it. I don't have anything I else. I do think that's it, yeah. There is, uh, uh, that we do not have a category for this, but there should be some type of setting category for when it's just placed in a pla- like in a location that is fundamentally scary to certain, like, I fucking hate elevators. I If I can avoid it, I do not ride in elevators because... There's some combination of claustrophobia and heights that I am not a fan of. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good call, too. Like, the, the descent belongs in that and just all that kind of shit, right? Yeah, so setting horror? I don't know. That, yeah. That's a terrible name for it, but this is also just setting horror. We'll workshop it, yeah. Cool. I'm gonna I hear you typing. I, d- I don't agree to that yet. I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm going to fill in with a bunch of additional detail and stuff. But I, that is one of the key selling points of this movie is that it's set in an elevator, a Mark, confined that is, space where that you're is dangling above nothing. That is the key selling point to this movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> all right, all right, we're here. What does this movie do right, Mark? We were just talking about it. Uh, yeah, the setting. Uh, I don't like elevators, and this movie does right by the fact that it is basically a fishbowl movie. It's a feature-length fishbowl TV episode that cuts between... The majority of the movie is set on the five people in the elevator, and then you provide interstitial shots of people in the control room or the engineer running around the building or the people in the lobby or whatever to give people like some breathing room. But the fundamental setting of this whole thing, the conceit of the movie, is that it's based on people getting stuck in an elevator, which is a pretty unique and interesting concept combined with the fact that these people are also trapped in there with the devil. Absolutely. And to go along with that, part of why that's so good is something we talk about a lot, the cutting off of resources, right? And this movie is able to do that really well. Not always believably. I'm thinking about the fire department towards the end with saws that just explode. But this is a movie that... The devil makes them explode, Jack. I know. I know. But this is a movie that, like, every resource you think you have, they do a pretty decent job. Like, when you think of to yourself, like, what would I do in this situation? The movie does a pretty good job of showing you, nope, that wouldn't work. Right. Right? You You can't climb out the top because there's... Well, initially because they pull him down, and then because there's a dead body on top. You can't go out the doors because it's an express elevator that only opens on the 23rd floor, and they're on, like, the 20th floor or something like that. Uh, They can't cut through because the devil. The electricity (laughs) doesn't work because of the devil. Yeah, a lot of the why is uh, bad, but... (laughs) There's some, there's, there's, you know, there's a modicum of deus ex machina built into this movie. Oh, yeah, to say the least. But but also, I mean, like even I mean, this is a 2010 movie, and even though, uh, like smartphones weren't weren't 
ubiquitous. They were present, and they also said, like, there's no service in here, which is believable inside of an elevator. Yeah. And, I mean, very true, especially when this movie was made. Nowadays, you're going to get a little bit more lucky with, like, 4G networks, but definitely back when, like, 3G networks were a thing, which is probably roughly around 2010, you definitely didn't have... I mean, you'd lose service walking into, like, your local grocery store and shit. (laughs) And and even... um though I find the reasons for it infuriating, they even, like, cut off... I like the one-way communication setup they have, right? Security and the police can talk to them. They can't talk back, and nobody in the elevator has a pen. I refuse to believe that, but they do tell me it, so... (laughs) It is... And you can't just fucking, like, use your... That's the thing. The one thing that they didn't figure... Like, didn't try and do that was my immediate next suggestion was just, like, use your hands to spell out your name, like... Right. M. Right. A. This movie this movie is the polar opposite of The Martian, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. They should have had Matt Damon in this movie. Oh man, Mark Watney could have figured everything out in this elevator. Uh dude, Mark Watney versus the Devil is a movie I would see. Holy shit. Oh, <laughs> so uh, many- spoiler alerts, Mark Watney's gonna fucking win. <laughs> what else the movie do right? Um I really like the use of don't sit under the apple tree. I really wish they had kept it going throughout. Maybe this is something that more does metal and I'm jumping the gun. But the I, I like that type of musical design where you use something that is... I mean, don't sit under the apple tree is like one of the most fundamentally happy and cheerful songs you can possibly come up with. And at least over... They only use it in the first half of the movie. But basically, that's the song that's like playing the Muzak that's coming through the, the <laughs> elevator speakers. Uh, and it kind of becomes like more and more sinister as the as it grinds on a little bit, and people become like frustrated with their surroundings, and then like shit starts to happen. So that type of evolution, despite the fact that it didn't continue throughout, which would have been, I mean, if you brought that musical score back like at the very end, and there's like the super demonic dirge version of "Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree," this would be way up higher on the list. But I like that type of touch where it's the the the, the contrapositive. That's not really the right word. The contrapunctal there you use go. of music. Yeah, no, is I, good. I I fully agree. And and you are that song as as the viewer. That song makes you almost as uncomfortable as the people in the situation. Yeah, right? you hate so, it too. <laughs> it's simultaneously a happy and cheerful tune, and also if you're just playing like the the Muzak version of it, one of the most annoying songs you can listen to. Yeah. Well, to <laughs> talk about that's like, the other piece. To bring it back to why this is kind of like a slasher, right? This is a a trope of slasher movies of 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 at least modern slasher movies of one like line of a song getting stuck on a record player. It's happened in like four or five recent slasher movies. Oh yeah, go watch your next. Yeah. Your next is a is one of the best slasher movies ever made. And it happens just in that. the Strangers too. Yep. Another classic slasher movie. That, uh, yeah, long-running <laughs> debate on the podcast. but Not even on the podcast, just on the website. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I completely agree. I like the use of that song. And I also like, while I don't think the acting in this movie is stellar. What? I... Oh, dude. <laughs> the acting in this movie is what makes it work as well as it does. Yes, but it's a certain tone of acting. Say more embodied by the guy who plays the detective. He's also a guy from the Mindy Project. I don't know his name. Italian guy. Chris Messina. Um, yes, Chris Messina. It's just, it's not, it's it's law and order acting, right? It's not great acting. It's not particularly believable, but it is emphatic enough and believable enough for you to go along with it and buy into the premise. Bump, bump. 
So, and and I I like the acting in this movie in terms of how they interact with one another. I think that comes through as pretty believable and good. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good example of the acting and line delivery being stronger than the script, which is simultaneously a result of a pretty good cast headlined by Logan Marshall Green and a bunch of other, and Chris Messina and a bunch of other people who I don't know really got that much other work. Jeffrey Arend is like another person who you've probably like, he's a that guy. You'd recognize him, but you're not really sure where he's from. But the woman who plays Logan Marshall Green's girlfriend is very recognizable to me, and I'm not sure what from. I cannot help you with that. Um, But what I was getting at is I think it's a combination of the pretty strong cast with direction. Uh, I think they had a very good understanding of what felt natural as far as delivery goes. And shoehorning that into a script that is basically like a modern Twilight Zone episode, which granted I like at a 30,000 foot level, but also is fundamentally hard to make seem realistic. I, I think that's the that's this is the result we get. It's it's believable in pieces, but taken as a whole, I get what you're kind of trying to say, which is that it's like this isn't really how it would go. Sure, which I think might take us to what it does middle, unless you have a driving desire for something else it does right, because I think you you've you've led very well to what it does middle. Uh, I'll only add that I think that this movie does. I, I like the amount of twists that are built into this. We're already talking about the script, so I might as well just shoehorn that one in as well. Like, if this movie doesn't have the number of twists and turns that it has, then it becomes very boring very fast. If it's just like one or two things and people are trapped in an elevator, then it's just boring and you really have to rely on the character acting. It doesn't do that. Even if the characters are weak, you have the detective discovering something new about the characters every like 15 minutes on the beat. And then it's just like, okay, this person's innocent. Oh, he's dead. This person, nope, he's dead. Oh, this, oh, oh, oh. There's then, a lot happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the, I guess what I'm getting at is the pacing of it is pretty tight and, and actually really well written in that regard, regardless of how believable the frame narrative of the whole movie actually is. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. Okay. That's going to take us now to it- does middle. Yeah, now that you've ruined my transition, let's talk about what it does middle. And what I wanted to talk about here was I forgot. <laughs> oh, cool. That's that's some great fucking podcast in there, Jack. I only had one thing written down for Does Middle, uh, which is the upside down city in the intro. At a certain point, it's just like, why? You're like it, it's it, it's like you're taking a Dutch angle to the most preposterous degree, essentially. You're just being like, what if we showed the city upside down? What? <laughs> just yeah. I don't know. This is probably more of an epic than anything else, but it's like Honestly, why? Why, <laughs> Mark? Mark, I want to respond to you. I wasn't listening to a word you were saying. I was just trying to play back our last conversation so I could get to my what it does middle. I can't, listeners. I did have another shot of whiskey off mic. Um, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I, I, uh, it was because I had, I had the good transition. I did have a legitimate thing. It does middle. I've come to talk with you again. This is why you should take notes, Jack. Yeah, I fucking know. I do take notes. They're just mostly nitpicks. <laughs> yeah, so you said the perfect thing about what this movie does middle. It's that it's a fucking Twilight Zone episode, right? This is a movie that is 80 minutes long. It came out theatrically at 80 minutes long. I think because it realized it can't sustain more than that. And I appreciate that they 
realized those limitations. You know what I mean? So what you're saying right now is something that this movie definitively does right. I don't know what this is making what what is making this middle at this point. Because even the 80 minutes is stretched to the limits of its length, right? This is an 80-minute movie that has a shitload of filler and unnecessary backstory and too long flashbacks. So and the the unnecessary backstory is something that is kind of like true to form for a Twilight Zone episode. The whole point that they're trying to get at here is that each of the they're trying to like give you a glimpse that each of these people are deserving of the fate that they get. And that that I mean, I kind of I kind of understand why you're saying that it's unnecessary, but also like the devil's judgment is a fundamental part of this thing. And if this were a Twilight Zone episode, that would be like that. Those would be the hammer points that like Rod Serling chimes in on type things, you know. So, so Mark, I fully agree that it is a necessary and good part of a Twilight Zone episode, which is why I'm putting this in does middle because it doesn't stretch out well. They show. I think nine total minutes of flashbacks to the death scene and the guy and the I'm sorry and the everything. And they don't need that. They need one minute of it, but they had to stretch this out to at least get to 80 minutes. I have this thing definitively in the does right category. I, I can see this. Like I could honestly see Rod Serling coming in and being like, here we have four people, five people trapped in an elevator, one that will not work and one that they cannot escape from. What is lingering inside of this elevator? Take a step with me as we walk into the Twilight Zone. Like, I could see that shit coming out on an actual Twilight Zone episode. I agree, and I think this would have made a almost perfect 44-minute episode of the Twilight Zone. But to respond to also what you're saying is, like, this is a very tight movie. I'd be curious to know what you think is extraneous here, because this is a... Very rapid fire. If ever any action drags, they cut to one of the other three plots that are happening, whether it's the guy, the uh, like engineer of the building who's trying to fix the elevator, or once he dies, you get the head security guard who leaves to try and fix the electricity, or the then once that guy gets electrocuted, you then cut to the guy in the lobby who's trying to like interview Logan Marshall Green's wife or whatever. Like they have the. I think this movie's very tight, and they are very cognizant of the fact that every time it starts to drag, they cut to other action, which keeps the pacing pretty good. It's always the editing on the religious stuff and the flashbacks, right? The guy who I always think is the guy from Ant-Man, who isn't the guy from Ant-Man, which is probably a racist thought I have. Are you thinking Uh, of Michael Pena? I am thinking of Michael Pena, the guy who's- You're thinking of Jacob Vargas, who's- Yes, classic Pena-esque. Yeah, he, uh, they do, uh, they, they, yeah, they have similar vibes to him. He, he plays similar roles to Michael Pena. Yeah. Or I mean, in the role. sense that Michael Pena has played a cop like three or four times and that this guy is also a security officer. And, and Michael Pena has played a security officer two or three times. Like uh, this guy a, is playing a, a role that... line there. <laughs> Between those two. But, uh, what, what I mean is, so, so his scenes specifically, and the the scenes where there is actual narration happening from him, you learn, and the scenes that are the flashbacks all go on, I mean, 15, 20 seconds too long. I'm not saying they're unnecessary scenes. You actually I'm, are. I'm just, that's, almost legi- that's almost exactly no, no, what you're no. saying. I like all those scenes. They are all just extended, and I think artificially so, to mm. make the movie as long as it is. So you would have preferred if this movie was like 78 minutes, 30 seconds? 
I'm not saying I would have preferred it as a movie. I think it would have been a better work of art if it was. If if that shit was cut out, yes. Because there's just unnecessary... a little bit tighter. There's unnecessary, yeah, there's unnecessary time in there. That's why I put it does middle. Okay. I guess that's fair. I, I definitively had that aspect in what it does right. If you we we could nitpick it down to seventy eight minutes if that's what we want to do, but I I kind of get what you're saying. They linger on a few things too long. Uh, I did not really have anything that this movie does middle. So would you like to move on to what the movie does wrong? I don't think there's going to sure be anything do. in this category. Yeah, no, I sure do. Okay, go ahead. So I mean, the the biggest thing this movie does wrong is the insane interpretation of religion or plot or whatever this thing has. Like from a thirty thousand foot perspective. The devil doing this <laughs> like kind of makes sense. I like that you just throw out that religion and plot are synonymous at this, <laughs> in this movie. In this like, movie, they, they are. Kind of are, yeah. But. Yeah, and it's insane, and it doesn't work, I don't think, that well. Like, the, the movie is telling you, it starts with actual quotes from the Bible, and then subtly transitions you into a narrator telling you things his grandma used to tell him about the Bible, and then ends with just... The devil always kills the one last in front of the person he loves the most. That's how the devil works. The narrator, for the record, is Jacob Vargas, who plays Ramirez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so. You, and I like the transition there, right? I get. I get what you. I see what you did there, but you also have just started with Bible quotes and then just told me the devil does whatever the fuck the devil wants. Don't worry about it. You're like, I knew that part already. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, yeah. The devil's an that. asshole. I understand. Right. But because it's grounded in Christianity, you, I, you felt like you had to start me with Bible quotes, okay. which I thought added nothing. I understand what you're saying. I'm going to, I'm going to play <laughs> the devil's advocate here for a second. Hey, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm surprised we actually made the appropriate joke for this podcast. I'm glad we got it out there. Um, <laughs> You mean Kel's dad, right? The <laughs> exactly the um, I kind of like the way they frame it because it sets it up as more of a folk tale than an actual Christian tale. You know what I'm saying? The devil becomes basically like the Wendigo in this type of scenario, which I kind of like that framing actually. Yes, and I kind of like that until you get to the end and you have the devil actively making choices or being physically unable to kill him because he repented. I don't know which it is, but the way they framed it, by the end of it, when the devil stops the elevator from hitting the bottom and says, I really wanted you to... It, it's, it's like... It's, yeah, it's a weird cop-out. You could... you Then you could... Then kill him. You, you, he still did the thing. You've killed six <laughs> other people. Some, some stagehand, some stagehand comes on from off screen. He's like, dude, you're fucking Beelzebub. Just kill him. Like, <laughs> just, what? just kill him. Like, yeah. So I couldn't, I, I don't know. It did not work. I, I agree with you until the conclusion of the movie. And then it's like, I don't know what it's movies trying to tell me anymore. I, I think that specific aspect that the, that the devil is then not able to take his soul because he repented makes it it's like it's weird because you're you're telling catholicism as a folktale so there's weird dissonance there i like generally the framing mechanism of turning religion into a folktale but also all of the extra baggage that brings in does is dissonant and doesn't really work in that regard. i mean it's it's a problem with a lot of religious stuff right religion is a folktale and if you go too deep on it it gets weird let's save it for the a to z horror religion cast <laughs> okay but so so that just absolutely didn't work for me. And then that goes along with the like you said, Deus Ex Machina of just the devil. And also, and then I mean, can we just stop to point out that this is as close to literally Deus Ex Machina as we're ever gonna get? 
A devil ex machina. Yeah. Yeah. De- devil ex machina. Nailed it. Oh, you named the episode. There it is. <laughs> like, I mean, just the, the devil is all powerful as portrayed in this movie, right? For no reason, the elevator plummets and then stops right before the bottom. I mean, not killing the last person. Because all he powerful except for God. Or except for repentance. God isn't present in this movie. There is nothing to me that indicates God has prevented the devil from doing something. There's only things that indicate the devil has certain limitations on its power. God is omnipresent, Jack. You should know that. <laughs> but, like, so why why sometimes does it just release the elevator when other times it has to make a circular saw explode in someone's hand? Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, like, this weird element that Satan has to be, like, hidden from the world. You'd think Satan would be, like, all about being known. <laughs> but Especially I... when the it opens on a title card saying the devil walks among us and takes every form. Right, I mean, I guess, so, just to channel the 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 religious folktale stuff, the, the devil relies on not being... If we all knew that the devil existed and that he was actively trying to trick us, we would all be, like way more cognizant of the shit that we were looking at. I mean, maybe, probably not, actually. Fuck humans. But, I mean, he's a trickster, right? In in common mythos, that's, like, how he operates. He never just comes to you and he's like, hey, I'm the devil. I'm going to force you to do this. He's always like, hey, I'm a snake. You should eat that apple. Just see what happens. Like, what's going to go on? Oh, what's the worst that could happen? And then, you know, just eat the apple. You get kicked out of the Orchard of Eden. Unless you go down to Georgia. Then I understand he's just right there. Even so, I mean, he tries to trick the the guy with the fiddle, and then I I don't know. I wish I knew the lyrics of that song better. I know the all of the lyrics of that song. I just can't come up with them right now. <laughs> he was in a bind because he was way behind. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was looking to make a deal. Yeah, and he jumped right up on a hickory stump. Said, "Boy, let me tell you what." Anyways, we're not just gonna recount that one. Wrong. <laughs> no, that's, that's what right. the devil says. That's what the devil says. Johnny jumps up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. Do we need to have a second bet? I bet you didn't know, but I'm a fiddle player, too. If you care to make a dare, I'll bet make a bet with you. Shit, that was the devil. Shit. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, The devil cared to make a bet with him. Yeah, well. Here's the other thing this movie does wrong. I talked about the ending from a religious perspective, how that pisses me off. But just from a logical perspective, the police department has been called out to a scene of a multiple murder. And all they know is... One guy confessed to a DUI hit and run from five years ago, and they're all just okay being like, yep, one detective, you can let this go. I guess we all think it's the devil. Let's all go home, boys. <laughs> Case closed. Uh, yeah, I I think that uh, that Logan Marshall Green is a Tony is gonna play is gonna pay the 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 devil's ransom, whatever the fucking that word is, but where he ends up, I mean, he's guilty fundamentally. He's guilty of killing the lady and her child, but he's probably going to go down for killing all the people in the elevator. 100%. Now, the funny thing is, is how they're going to take, how they're going to treat Jane Kowski's character, Satan's character, whatever the fuck her name. I mean, she doesn't have a name. No, no. She's he's Satan. Jane Kowski. He's Jane yes, Kowski. Yeah, but they call her Jane Space, last name Kowski for most of right. the movie. Before they realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So she doesn't have an identity and is obviously Satan and disappears from the elevator once the scene is over. So the funny thing from a legal standpoint would be like, how do you deal with, there's definitely five people in the elevator. We have evidence of that. We have video evidence of this and multiple witness testimonies. And then there's just three dead people and one traumatized human. That's what I'm saying. From a legal perspective, like 
this would be a hard case to prosecute any of the murders, except for the one five years ago where you drove drunk. Like, you can't even, there's no even evidence that he slashed her throat. There is evidence of a physically impossible thing happening, which is this woman hanging herself and dying from it. That'll come up later, immediately, when the lights are off for a quarter of a second. So, there's, 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 there's no successful process. Like, if they took this to trial, show the jury the video and be like, Think about actually moving around. Here, I'll tape it out for you. I'll tape out the space. Move around in it. See if you can do that in that amount of time. Can you? Also, no, then you can't convict him. Also, this is like, I think, literally the definition of habeas corpus if you're trying to prosecute him with being guilty of killing Jane Kowski. <laughs> I mean, the, the, yes, Blackstone original definition, sure. Boom, nailed it. You know me, I'm all about the Blackstone. <laughs> I I have something I want to I'm going to I'm changing the subject. Uh why is the suicide part important at all? Because of the religion thing because the devil always starts with a suicide. I don't know. But the only reason that the devil starts with a suicide is cuz of the the first line of dialogue that they chose to write. Because the movie was 69 minutes long without it. <laughs> nice. So they made it more loose. I like legitimately I agree with you on that part. That is something that could be wholly cut. The suicide did, part I, is completely unimportant, especially given state, that it's not just... I did fully forget about that. Yeah. It's not just suicide out of the window. It's suicide out of the window, and then the car rolls like a block and a half. So far on a busy downtown city street that nobody notices. I Okay, that's okay. Okay. That's, we're, that's definitely a nitpick that no one is like, oh, there's a car rolling down the Blow road the whistle, Mark. Blow that whistle. <laughs> I'm not... Okay. Well, I'm not really... Uh, okay. Okay, no... Look, let's combine the two. Blow the blow a halfway whistle. Okay, yeah, we're just, we're just, oh, a halfway whistle? Combine the segments. I liked it. It was, it was sexy. A halfway Hips whistle. and nips. Hips and nips, it was sexy. Continue your thought. That's that's where we are. Oh. Uh that's all I had to say. <laughs> Look, that no, was my first I mean, nitpick. That is that is fundamentally like an absolutely preposterous nitpick about this movie. The the reason the detective is there in the first place is because there is a guy who throws himself out. I mean, the devil throws him out of a window while he's holding rosary no, no, breeds. No, notably. no, no. According to the movie's explanation, he just actually killed himself. The devil just happens to show up around suicides. Okay, fine. So he grabs his rosary beads. The detectives definitively like say it's not a suicide later in the movie. He lands on a bread truck or something. It rolls down the street, down a busy fucking street, hits a barricade, and then bounces into an alley. There are no witnesses to say there's a fucking unpiloted vehicle just rolling down a street in Philadelphia that bounced off that fucking barricade and went into the alley. And then it's on the genius of the detectives to be like, oh, it fucking rolled from that building. And then they walk over there and there's a guy sweeping up glass who's like, oh, yeah, human-sized hole on the 38th floor. It didn't bounce into an alley. It bounced into a warehouse truck receiving bay. It bounced into the exact place a truck should be. But it didn't back up. It went in forward. That, yeah, it's none That's of it clue makes number fucking one. sense. None of it makes hey, sense. Hey, 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 clue number two. There wasn't a fucking driver. 
<laughs> Don't you think that this bread truck that doesn't belong to the warehouse company you're at would, would have like a driver who would be like, oh, yeah, a guy landed on top of me. No. <laughs> Why would you ask? Th- you should at least ask them first. Be like, hey, is this your truck? No. OK. Oh, there's no driver here. <laughs> no, he no. He <laughs> looks around and says, there's no glass. This definitely didn't happen here. Also, the driver would have been in the other building being like, where the fuck is my truck? <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, and all of that aside, completely unnecessary to the plot of the movie. <laughs> so Why the fuck did they want to include this? It's so stupid. Um, I think M. Night Shyamalan was just, he had the effect of the people jumping off the tall buildings from the happening, right? He, he paid for that effect it. and they just wanted to get more use out of it. Except they didn't. The only effect you have is just like the fraction. It's like four frames of a guy hitting the top of a truck. Yeah. And then it rolls. Okay. He just had that effect. This was actually yes. just a deleted scene from the happening. I 100% by that fan theory. I think it might be. Yeah. Fan theory. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I got it. I know how we're going to do this four second sequence. Yeah. To his credit, uh, it actually does work kind of well that that's the intro to the movie of like the guy I, I really like the dude polishing the floor with the headphones in and then behind him the body lands and a, the truck rolls away that's a cool scene if it's it a cool had shot. anything to do with the rest of the movie it's a cool shot uh hey mark yes explain this to me what okay. w- when detectives partners telling him 90 days is too long what 90 days is he talking about because later he says it's been five years since his wife and kids died I do not recall the exchange you are talking about. Ninety days is too long for what? I don't for him to start dating again. Oh, uh, and I was like, "What do you mean? Since you remarried after your first wife died? Like, what are you talking about?" I don't know. That I did not. I I have no notes regarding that ninety days rule. Okay, <laughs> that is definitively too short to wait. You should wait more than ninety days. That was my note. Absolutely, because I thought his wife died. His wife and kids died ninety days ago, and I was like, um. Everyone here is wrong. You should not be dating 90 He's like, days. Well, I got to get back at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I was hoping that was going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know how to yes and you on this one, Jack, unfortunately. No, you don't have to, buddy. I was just actually curious. I want to talk about the devil's face. <laughs> okay. The, the weird image of a screaming person. This is actually what I had in Does Wrong, but we've combined the categories for this movie, which was smart. Um. The weird, like, CCTV thing that just pops up that uh, Ramirez finds and is like, oh, the devil. Is the devil here? What? I mean, honestly, really? You needed to give that to us as the audience to make us sure that it was the fucking devil? And this guy couldn't have just been <laughs> suspicious of it regardless of the fact that there was a frame spliced into a CCTV feed? That doesn't also, look... If you're a security officer and you find a frame spliced into a CCTV feed of a face that's kind of grimacing, like you're, you immediately jump to just, oh, it's the fucking devil. <laughs> right. They've been trapped in this elevator for four minutes now. It's probably the devil. <laughs> He'd be fun to work with. I feel like that guy would be just a font of of fun. Well, on, on that guy's foibles, right, if, if he ever fucking asked me, hey, why don't kids... You see kids, he says, you see kids fall a lot and almost hit tables. <laughs> Why don't they hit tables more? What the fuck? What the so fuck is that take? So many reasons. <laughs> One, because why would you ever hear a story about a kid who fell over and didn't hit their head on a table? You'd never, ever hear that story. So it's confirmation bias. Wait, but Two, that's what he's saying. No, he's saying that you always hear about the, the kid always falls and doesn't hit the table. He misses it narrowly. 
Well, then it's because human evolution. That's what humans are supposed to do. Every person tries to protect their life, including kids. Well, but also because that's a bullshit example, and the kids hit the table like, I don't know, 50% of the time. Well, but also, <laughs> like, how far away from tables are you talking about? Because, like, just physics. <laughs> there's fewer tables than there are not tables in the world. So it's Well, just... hold on. I would like to see your mathematical proof of that one, Jack. <laughs> It's just it's just basic science, Mark. Fewer tables, fewer heads on tables. But that that sentence sent me spiraling. I was like, and everybody just accepted it. Everybody was just like, you're like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like, kids you never do, do hit their heads on tables. Your stuff about the devil's crazy. I'm a skeptic, but you do raise a good point about the tables thing. I want here's the two things. I want to recut this movie with two characters just interjected and make it like 90 minutes instead of 80 minutes. Here's what I want to add. I want to add one mathematician <laughs> at the background of that scene just be like, "Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I object. I have so many things to say." Right. The volume the of thing, tables in the world. <laughs> the the other thing I definitely want to add is just can we splice in like a like a like a like a mini tunes version of Plucky Duck? I just want Plucky Duck in here to be like, to hitting the elevator buttons. I push the button. I push it. I push it again. I push it again and again and again and again. Yeah, but y- you've said something that's confused me. Okay. You said a Mini Toons version of Plucky Duck. Now, I understand Plucky Duck to be a Tiny Toons character. Tiny Toons? Fuck, I that's what I was going for. I don't know what Mini Toons is. I certainly don't know what a Mini Toons version of a Tiny Toons character would look like. I think you were trying to say a Tiny Toons version of Daffy Duck. No, no, no. no. Plucky I specifically Duck. want Plucky Duck from the elevator scene that he did on Tiny Toons. But, but the Tiny Toons version of Plucky Duck is... Plucky Duck. I want Plucky Duck. That's what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at here, Jack, you're blowing up my spot, is Plucky Duck. I want Plucky Duck to be in the elevator with the devil and be like, you don't push the button, I push the button. I push the button. (laughs) Yeah. No, I get the reference you're making. What I'm saying is, if you just wanted, what you wanted to say was Plucky Duck from Tiny Toons, not a Tiny Toons version of Plucky Duck. Because that's the only version of Plucky Duck. Jack. Yeah. Would you like me to just retake that? No. (laughs) That's gold. I think that's fucking... Uh, Gold. We're just gonna go. Here's what I want to do. I want to recut the movie with a mathematician who corrects everybody in the background. And I also want Plucky Duck. Fuck. <laughs> there you go. From Tiny Tunes. Yeah, yeah. That Plucky Duck from Tiny Tunes. You're worried I wouldn't know what you were talking about, but I would have. Oh, it's the Tiny Tunes version of Plucky Duck. <laughs> Fuck. <Christ. laughs> hey, if the old woman hung herself in the darkness eight seconds ago and didn't fall from anything. Ain't no in the goddamn way she's dead. <laughs> she has a very delicate neck. Apparently, holy her, shit! Her head is her head is barely attached to her spine. Well, she's like that character from the old the, the old folktale where you like untie the ribbon and the head falls off. Is that a Shel Silverstein poem? I think it might have been from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. One or the other. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Either way. For they spent so long determining whether the first two people were dead or not, and then for her, it's just like fuck it, she must be dead. Hey, while we're talking about just giving the fuck up on people, the EMTs at the end of the movie arrive. The elevator doors are open. There are, I mean, two at least definitively dead people. But, like, the girl, whatever her name was, is still bleeding out. She's not dead yet. She was alive, like, moments ago. And they just stand back. They're like, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good. And then the detective pokes his head and he's like, what's going on in here? Where's Jane? (laughs) Yeah. 
yeah. they're just like, yeah, whenever you're done, there's a lady bleeding from her carotid artery. We, I mean, we, you're good. You're good. You're good. We'll just shock her. We'll just defibrillate. Don't worry about so, it. Yeah, crazy. This was the way I introed you, but the Ramirez character equates kids breaking their heads on table edges to toast falling jelly side down. He says, like, the devil does two things. It's why your toast <laughs> falls jelly side down, and it's why your kids snap their fucking necks on picnic tables. I... <laughs> You know, I like to think that there's, like, just this, like, gigantic amount of bureaucracy underneath the devil, and there's, like, the department of making people's days, like, the the toast fall on the wrong side, and then there's the department of, like, legitimately killing kids. And And the leader of the former just just happens to be a lot better than the bureaucratic leader of the latter at this particular point in time. Yeah, hey, where's the CEO? Oh, he's in an elevator somewhere torturing four random people. (laughs) Someone who was in charge of a pyramid scheme and a lady who's trying to divorce her husband. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What are you doing? Oh, I made made a toast fall on the jelly side. Oh, cool, yeah, good day. Good day. Doing work, man. Keep it up. (laughs) What else you got for nitpicks, Mark? Uh, That's, I mean, that's basically it. The only other thing that I really had here was like, this is actually what I had in the movie does wrong, but the 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 ending is pretty schmaltzy. It's kind of interesting to talk about because like it's something we don't see all the time where this movie ends on a bounce. Like this movie ends on a definitively like good note, at least what the movie is trying to make a definitively good note of like, well, yeah, yeah, you just watch this movie about Satan killing a bunch of people, but hey, God's real. That's nice. But also like, it's not something you see all the time or really at all within the horror genre. It's just kind of interesting. I think it plays very schmaltzy and doofy and very true to like M. Night Shyamalan's brand. But I read uh, it yeah. very differently, and this might say a little bit about me, but I read it as this guy has done a false acceptance of God, right, which is one of the 12 steps or of a higher power in any case, um, based only on his recent experiences, not based on an actual emotional choice he made, and he's going to come crashing down almost immediately and return to alcoholism. I mean, assuming the alcoholism is based on, like, toilet wine in prison, because that's definitely where he's going. No, no, not that guy. No, the detective. Oh! Right? The detective. Why else? There's no reason for them to say he was an alcoholic, uh, because that doesn't play into his character whatsoever. He's just a very put-together man who's good at his job, and who happens to have been an alcoholic because he almost killed himself one night in a motel room with booze. That's how it works. Um, And then, at the end of it, One day he says, I forgive you, based on a 15-second decision after the most stressful eight hours of his life where he's accepted (laughs) the devil actually exists. I want to see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think two days days from when this movie ends, when life is back to normal and the literal devil isn't presently around him, he's going to return to the bottle pretty quick. Could you imagine being that guy's therapist? Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't imagine being my therapist either, though, so. He's sitting on the couch. Being like, yeah, so remember how my wife and kid were killed by a drunk driver hit and run a while ago? <laughs> I was investigating a suicide. So I found him. Look, I yeah, exactly. I was on the case of a suicide of a man who threw himself out of a 38-story window. Um, and a bunch of people were slaughtered like pigs in an elevator. Uh, literally, Satan was there. She spoke to me. And um, then the guy who killed my family... Gave himself up to me so that I could determine his fate. So I'm just curious, Doc. Uh, 
what do you recommend I do in this situation? Yeah. I, I elected to drive him home, breaking chain of custody, and forgave him on the way. <laughs> Did I do that right? <laughs> I think even in that situation, the therapist would be like, yeah, you should probably have a drink or two. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the very last nitpick that I had is just that the guy who jumped from that building chose to break 27-story high glass, which is... Was it 27? I just threw out 38. I don't know if it was 30. It was actually 20, I think 27, 22, 22, or 27. They should have made it a fucking, like, re- religious number. Like, 33 but, or some bullshit. I mean, the place was 333, which is religious because it's half of 666, I guess. I don't get that either. Yeah, That's another it's, fucking nitpick. It's very loose. Very what loose. I'm developing right now. Much but like the, the energy of this podcast. But the movie shows you how easy it was for the engineer to get on the roof. Why did you break any window? Why didn't you just jump off the fucking roof? The engineer goes up there, looks, and it's like, whoa, that looks like a long way down. I mean, the engineer probably has keys. Keys are important. They show you him opening the door without using his keys. What I'm saying is they show you how easy it is. Yes. This 2010 movie has, he has an RFID chip inserted into his forearm. I'm going to tell you right now, every single skyscraper in Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, wherever the hell else, all have keys to the roof. You can't just open the fucking door to the roof. That is blatantly false. Uh, I don't know. My sister moved out of New York two years ago, and I was there with her on the many roofs many times. Mm. Okay, well, then uh, retracted. <laughs> but I think your sentence makes more sense. In 2010, there was a perfect biometric scale, although that's wrong, too, because my uncle did get an RFID chip inserted into his forearm in 2011. How, it was right what, before what I started. What the fuck is happening? How? Oh, my God. How do you have... <laughs> how do you have evidence... How do you have stories to evidence every single claim you make of, like, oh, yeah, my third cousin is a dude who has a niobium magnet in his thumb that can open doors somehow? I mean, sister and uncle are the... Cl- not third Third cousin. cousin seemed like the logical next step. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my uncle in, I don't remember, I mean, it's either sometime between 2011 and 2013, like between undergrad and law school, did try to get an RFID lock to his home and an RFID chip inserted into his forearm, and it just didn't work at all. Jack? Yes, sir. It's time to go to ratings. That sounds right. <laughs> okay, cool. That last shot I poured was pretty big. run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. We over at Izzy Horror use a 1-10 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of how you'd rate Deuce Mob's ability to rhyme gorilla with literally any other word. Gorilla, 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 gorilla. And for 10, think of how you'd rate the amount of time Eminem spends trying to come up with rhymes for orange. I put my orange, four-inch, door hinge in storage... And ate porridge with George. <laughs> and do you think about this throughout the day? I mean, driving <coughs> along, you think about rhyming words? Yeah, all day. Yeah, I actually drive myself insane with it. Story is the first category to rate these movies. This was my pick. I'm going to rate the thing for story. I'm going to give it a four for story. Interesting. Okay. So I, I do like the, the story aspects of confining a, a cool kind of original thing to a space like an elevator where they can successfully cut off resources, all of that's very good. It's then slashed to pieces by how horseshit their references to religion and the devil in general and the overall ending are, and the suicide at the beginning. So, like, <laughs> this is a pretty good story that is slashed to pieces by horseshit. 
Marked. I agree, but I also gave it a six. This movie is actually like really like the story of this is definitely on the better side of average as far as the genre is concerned. Where I mean, it's actually very tight, and the stories themselves interweave in a way that is complex and good enough to drive basically the whole movie. There are definitely extraneous things here, like the suicide at the beginning that is just foisted on it because I guess they needed an extra 10 minutes. But, I mean, on balance, there are plenty of plot holes. But overall, the story itself, especially at the high level where this is essentially just a feature-length, like, Twilight Zone episode, that type of, I mean, from that perspective, I think this is actually a very good story. Yeah, I think our only difference is, like, I don't, I, I I agree with you that from a very high level, but then from an even higher level, they couldn't take that and make it a feature-length film well enough, and I think that's where we're differing. Yeah. World-building and immersion is our second category. I'm going to give it a six for world-building and immersion. Damn it if I wasn't engrossed in this movie. I shouldn't have been. I understand that I objectively shouldn't have been, but the acting's good enough. Like you said, Mark, the editing is tight enough on changing between different things just as you start to get bored of something that fuck I was engrossed on this thing from start to finish and it doesn't hurt that it's 80 minutes long why do you think why are you saying that you should be lower on it uh, because of its absurdity and the fact that like the I don't give a shit about the detective's whole story it's all the, the whole backstory is nonsensically displayed to me I don't need any of it to be okay, connected I, with this character. I guess what I'm getting at is I think we went into this assuming that it was going to be a much worse movie than it actually was. <laughs> I did. And I liked it. We're Yeah, I mean, I did too. But I mean, I think we're striving to be objective in the face of expecting to dislike this movie. Uh, but it was like, it's actually, it, we'll get to this as overall, but it's actually like a fundamentally pretty good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gave it a six and a half. We're pretty much in lockstep. This is a movie that is driven by very good performances all around. The interactions are are pretty incredible between the characters and the only thing holding it back is sort of like you just said the absurdity of the plot but i mean this is horror we're talking about that's basically just table stakes the only thing that like really takes me out is a few times they go for the really schmaltzy stuff or the deus ex machina stuff that kind of has me rolling my eyes but i mean on balance very immersive movie this is something that like if it were just on tv it would probably actually catch me and i'd sit down and watch it for a little while which is an achievement yeah, absolutely. Oh, fuck, I just remembered a fucking nitpick I didn't bring up in nitpicks. Oh, just make a rewind sound and put it here. All right, here. When the detective tells them, put your hands against the wall, one of them, followed by the other two, choose to turn around and face the wall instead of just looking at each other when they're worried about each other and put their hands on the wall. All- so you're saying instead of just keeping your hands down behind you, they turn yes, around Yes, touching the them- wall. They they have turned around, turning away from the people about whom they're worried. If a cop tells me to put my hands on a wall, I think instinctively I'll do that motion, though. But you're trapped in an elevator, and it's telling you over a PA, all three of you go to a corner and put your hands on the wall. That's how we'll know. You'll all be able to look at each other. And then they immediately turn away from each other. Hmm. This Very stupid. Nitpick. Very stupid. Which is going to take me to Scare Factor. <laughs> I'm giving it a five. This movie has genuinely terrifying elements. It does a very good job cutting off resources. It does a very good job of having interpersonal drama in a way that I really like. The situation that they describe where, like, I mean, it's 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 
very, very classic. This is almost every murder mystery, right? The lights go out and somebody else is dead. You don't know who did it. That's that's like Agatha Christie shit. That's Quinn said. That's Shakespeare shit, right? That's everything. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. We never really a, talked about this. Is a, This is like fundamentally a murder mystery. This is Agatha Christie meets the Twilight Zone. Yeah, exactly. So, like that. That's good. They did a good job employing that. And I, I think I like the execution in terms of how many of the resources they cut off. But I don't. I'm not actually scared most of the time because it's too stupid based on things like people turning around and putting their hands on the fucking wall. And then also stuff like both people adopting the exact same reverse stance with a knife uh, for combat when only one of them is trained in combat. Like, it's just shit like that takes you out, right? Jesus Christ. But, uh, my God, Jack. So what did you give it? What was your actual score? Five. Mr. It does a lot of good... Dude! I did not notice that at all. They you know, both held the knife in a reverse stance, which is not a natural way for someone to hold the knife. And but isn't combat I thought? Training. Wait, but so you're talking about Logan Marshall Green versus the security guard guy? No, no, no. Logan Marshall Green versus the woman when they're the only two left. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. Okay. They I both mean, grab shards of the knife, and they both hold it such that if you're looking at your hand, your thumb is up, the knife is down, right? And that position allows you to still punch. Freely and fully, maybe not with a shard of glass, because that'll probably cut your hand, but yeah. <laughs> punch and slash and defend, as well as anything else. Whereas if you hold it the other way, it's really easy to pry a knife out of your hand, because you have no tensile strength going the wrong way. Tensile strength is definitely not the right thing. I gave it a five. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in here. Uh, we are in lockstep on this one. There's some pretty decent gore and suspense in this one, but also, I mean, the, the kind of like underlying silliness of it undermines all of the actual scare keeping it from ratcheting up a lot whatever we're in it's the we're, we both gave it a five we're we're in lockstep here yep effects or judicious lack thereof is our penultimate category i gave it a four i think this movie is an officious lack there a judicious lack thereof jesus christ it's an efficacious um, lack of effects yeah um i mean for the most part all the things happen when the lights are out so they don't have to show them to you which is a cool way to use effects but then Smart. the effects they do show you. I, I don't hate the way the devil looks in a couple of the flashing scenes or in the eyes of the, the old woman when she actually becomes the devil. But I really, do you really see the devil. I don't think you see the devil, do you? In in two scenes. Yeah, absolutely. It's what does it's it look there like? Describe it to me because I definitely did not see it. Black and wrinkly or dark brown and wrinkly. Oh, OK. Or a demon or something. I don't I don't fucking know. Um, but then they also show you. A CG shot of the skyline of Philadelphia. Like, how how expensive could it be to buy stock footage of Philadelphia's skyline? <laughs> you get one tripod in it's Philadelphia. Aggressively CG. It, costs, and it looks it, sixty dollars, so, maybe. So bad. So I mean, it's a four. It's a movie that I think does pretty well with what it has, but it had a pretty big budget and didn't do great. Mark, the funny thing is, I gave it a six. And I think I'm basically saying the same thing. It's judicious lack thereof. I just don't remember there being anything particularly bad about it. Um, I do remember, I mean, that the, there's like some weird interstitial scenes, but like, honestly, like if you use some green screen or CG or whatever on an interstitial scene, I don't really give a shit. It's, so, so I guess- it's the times where you use CG heavily at like the climax of your movie or whatever, where you are taken out at the climax of the movie to be like, that looks stupid. That's the L- thing let me that ask you me. this then. Like, did did this not? So here's what got to me about the way they do efficiently, judiciously, judiciously, judiciously not use effects is 
some of those scenes are so long of just pitch black. Did that like that kind of got so, to me. I mean, I look actually like I'm talking I'll, like I'll, I'm talking like three four seconds at a time. Right, but I'll four give them seconds credit for that. I think black. it's in a in a medium where like fundamentally people are paying to put their butts in a seat to look at what you put on screen. If you're willing to go a couple like a couple seconds of blackness, that's fine. Especially to build suspense of like what's going to happen when the lights come back up. I think that's great. I'm cool with just that. Just felt like they returned that well a little bit too much. Uh, I mean, I like that they set it up initially. Like, nothing happens the first time the lights go out. They flicker for a little while, go out for maybe like a second or two, and then come back up. And I mean, I guess like the girl gets bit or whatever, which is kind of a weird subplot thing. But, you know, realistically, nothing happens. The next time the lights go out, someone has a fucking shard of glass in their neck. So, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, that first one was pretty minimal. I, I agree. The first, I mean, and and I like what happens after the darkness goes out. I'm just saying it stayed in dark for too long for me. Uh, I think you have to at least leave like a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that like this could be humans doing something stretches a little bit more when you pull the wires down and hang the lady like you were saying in your nitpick. <laughs> but I mean, like, look, that's probably how long it would take to stab a piece of glass into somebody's neck. Yeah, right? yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good answer to overall. And I'm going to give it a five overall. I mean, I think this movie is not as good as I remember, but based on your two reactions, better than I was expecting. My two reactions? Yours and Jake's. What was Jake's reaction? Jake Same has not been on this podcast the whole time, Jack. When I picked it during the draft. Fuck oh, you, I he said. <laughs> okay. I'm just making sure you're not actually. Speaking of Jake, I should probably honor the man a little bit further. Oh, a third shot of Jameson. Good. This is going to go well. Um,. I gave it a 6.66. I feel like that's the appropriate ranking for this one. I wouldn't give it this if I didn't think it was at least in the neighborhood. I probably would have realistically given this one like a six and a half. This is a pretty good movie. Um, Shyamalan has a weird brand of horror that focuses primarily on like twists and turns. And also he has like a moral underbed for everything he does. Every single movie he puts out except for maybe, like, The Sixth Sense has this weird, like, moral, societal basis to it. And I kind of... It's schmaltzy at times, and definitely schmaltzy here, but I kind of I kind of like the way that works. When's and the I last think time movie, you watched The Sixth Sense? This movie, as, like, a package, is really well-contained, and I appreciate that. I think it makes it better than if you see any individual scene that it's part of. As its whole... I, I think this is actually pretty decent movie so yeah i went better than a six and a half six point six six i like that hey mark when's the last time you watched the sixth sense uh we reviewed the sixth sense it was around march of 2017 give or take i can't remember that exactly movie is we it. the same kind of schmaltzy morality to me at least that one didn't have like an outright like message as much as this one did uh, a, a little bit about like i guess like Domestic abuse, maybe, or like just the bond between a mother and a child, but like it didn't really have like the actual like thesis statement that the happening did, or that Lady in the Water did, or that this did, or whatever else. Unbreakable. <laughs> Unbreakable had Unbreakable didn't Unbreakable really do. Unbreakable is nothing but a morality statement. Yeah, it's okay. crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's that one's sort of the outlier, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So now we're moving on to whether or not we're gonna recommend this movie. Mark, is this a thumbs up or a thumbs down from you? I think I know the answer. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. You know what? I mean, like, if you're especially if you're going in 
M. Night Shyamalan has aged very strangely over the last 10 years. I don't even know what people think of him anymore. The The recent M. Night Shyamalan entries of Split and Glass and um, The Visit before that are, have all been very good. So I feel like he's resurging to a certain extent. And if you go into this sort of just tenuously aware that it's a M. Night Shyamalan property directed by somebody else with a decent enough cast, then I mean, I think you'll be presently surprised if you go in relatively blind. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a thumbs up for me too. A kind of reluctant one. A, a but if you picked a- the movie, I know. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> look, it's, it's it's a reluctant thumbs up on a first viewing. You're gonna have fun watching this, and uh, that's probably all you need. Oh yeah, the, definitively. There's like diminishing returns because like the twists are what keeps the movie going in the first place. But yeah, yeah. So, Two thumbs up. It's got to be time to get the fuck out of here. Seems like it. This has been episode 145 of the A to Z Horror Cast. If you like the podcast, follow us on Facebook and other things on Twitter. We might be on Instagram. I don't know. Uh, We also have a Patreon, like I said, at the top of the show. If you want to support the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. If not, that's cool also. But next week, we're going to be reviewing deep rising and that'll be all three of us will be back at it again uh but until then thank you for listening and get some beers go grab some buddies and watch some horror movies have a good weekend buddy (laughs) nailed it also super bear is playing (laughs) oh shit did you think they had the word for orchard and bible times i don't think they did